When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to the Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. On today's episode of The Family Brain, I'll be talking with Vivian Garcia-Tunan. Vivian is the founder of BGT Consulting Group. And basically, Vivian, well, first of all, I've known Vivian forever since we were kids. She was or is friends with my sister, my younger sister. And so I had heard that Vivian was doing um, coaching, personal coaching, um, life coaching. And so I wasn't really sure what that meant, and I was curious, so I wanted to talk to her about it. And she sort of blew me away by all the things she's working on and just the courage she had to switch careers, basically. She was working in human resources in banking and finance and was doing really well, but felt like something was sort of missing in her life, wasn't excited about the work she was doing and felt like there was something more for her. And so she decided to sort of set out on a different path and try to help people figure out how to live their best life with their careers and and recognizing that so much of our time we spend at work. So how do we want to be at work? What do we want our workplace to look like? And she just had such great ideas and just was inspiring for me to talk to about pulling back and looking at your life and saying, is this how I want to be doing things and encouraging to, to be brave and make a change if, if it's not the way you want it to be. So without further ado, this is Vivian Garcia Tunan. Um, so I guess my first question is just how you became involved. Do you call yourself a life coach or do you call yourself something else? You know, I I call myself anything. Okay. Um, Whatever makes sense in the situation. Pretty much. Typically, um, people come to me uh, for career and executive coaching, but meaning they start with their careers. Um, and then it evolves into more broadly life coaching. Um, but 
So typically it starts off from a career perspective. Okay. And so this is not your first career. Is that true? Or is it a branch off of what you were doing before? How did you get to this point that this is the work that you're doing or became interested in? Um, That's a great question. So this is not my first career. Um, I would say this is probably, I'll call it my second or third career. Um, This was um, as a result of me doing a lot of work on myself. So I'd gotten to the point in my career, I had been in HR for many years in different areas and really got to the place of not feeling fulfilled by the work I was doing anymore. And so really started doing some work on myself, Um, signed up for a lot of development programs uh, for myself, um, for like my intellectual side of things, and then for my own development. So I did a women's coaching program. I took a a coaching certification and I took positive psychology because there was just so much curiosity out there for me. Um, and then decided as a result of all those programs that it was time to take a leap of faith and go in a different direction. And what was the reaction like from people around you? Because that's one of the things that's interesting about life coaching or changes in general, right? Is like you are ready to do something different and people sometimes have different reactions to that. What was that like? Uh, That's a great question. So I would say my mother um, probably had uh, the most challenging reaction uh, based on her perspective on careers um, and and really being resistant for me to make that change. Um, So I would go to her often. I'd be like, mom, I'm ready to go. I'm ready. Like I'm, I'm leaving. And she'd be like, you can't do it. You can't do it. But, uh, and so it was a process of me getting to acceptance with my decision. Um, and then once I finally made the decision and I started communicating to it, um, to others, really it was unbelievable the outpour of support that I got. It, it because so many people viewed it as such a courageous move, um, that they were curious. Um, to learn more about how I did it and also just wanted to support me because the path of being on a corporate career and kind of rising the ranks is something that was the only path that many of them and myself saw for a while. So um, it's been interesting having left um, how much support um, I get from it because I was willing to to follow my heart. Well, and I bet there's many people who wish or hope to do the same thing at some point, but they feel like there's barriers or, you know, I would do that, but this or, but that. Um, But this reminds me of, I actually did an interview with this um, professor at Stanford who has this organization called Challenge Success. And it's all, it's for kids and it's about challenging what we deem success in schools for kids. Does it mean that they're at the top of, you know, the violin, you know, performing ranks, or does it mean their SAT scores? But she's basically advocating that we open up what we term success. And it reminds me of this, you know, that that you could maybe have a very well-paying job, 
but is that success? And maybe that's not for everyone, you know, just because you're making good money or because you're, you're, you know, advancing, uh, maybe that's not success, but that's how we kind of measure things in our society sometimes for better, for worse. Absolutely. And I think where, I think once we are in a certain path, we become um, short-sighted in um, kind of the research out there in the world. And for me, I remember like thinking I was on this path of true success and, and everyone around me was like, yeah, way to go. And I'm like, but it doesn't feel right. It doesn't like, it doesn't work for me anymore. Um, and it really, when you're able to step away from it and see how other people live um, and expose yourself to diverse situations, it really expanded my mind to even bigger possibilities than where I had been before. I love that. That's exciting. You know, just the idea that there's so much more out there as options. I think we all sort of can get in these spots where we feel like we don't have much choice, you know, but it's just kind of reminding ourselves that maybe we don't have all of the choices, but there, there's a lot more choices that we have that we don't recognize. Exactly, that we're not seeing in our day-to-day lives. So what exactly would you say, I'm sure every circumstance is different, but what would you say are some of the things people come to you about? Like, what are there like specific trends you're seeing right now or themes that you tend to, you know, seem to be a thread through different people that you work with? So I think the most common theme is people feeling stuck and wanting to improve in some way. So whether it be stuck in a career path and figuring out the what is next, um, that tends to be a very common thing. Like we mentioned earlier, I took that path and kind of explored and then went out on a different uh, variation of it. And so a lot of people come to me saying, how did you get clear on the what? And so I built a program to help people understand how to find their what. Um, And then I also work with a lot of individuals that get to a place in their career and feel stuck and not being able to get to the next level. And so I I work with um, some executives that they're like, somehow I got to this place in my life, but I don't really know what I want and I don't really know what's next. Um, and how they continue to, to, to perform and develop. So it tends to be a, a, a pretty common theme of wanting something more and wanting expansion, um, but not knowing how to get there on their own. So without, um, you know, divulging the secret sauce to your, <laughs> to, to your um, program, what, what are the things that you look for for people finding their what? pretty simple um it's about taking a, and the truth of the matter is most of us it's pretty simple and most of us don't do it so at least I, I was certainly on a path of not doing it um 35 years in but um the program is really focused on looking at your passion looking at your strengths looking at your values and finding opportunities that align Um, with each of those to create more fulfillment. 
So, um, and, and looking at the narrative that you created for yourself. So, um, for me, I knew I loved helping people succeed. That was truly what I loved. Um, I enjoyed interacting with people. I enjoyed um, being a supporter and an advocate and providing um, people a, a place to improve themselves. Um, and the, the place where I was limiting myself was believing that HR was the only way that I could do that. And so um, it helps you identify the areas that you want to explore and kind of go out and research in the world to see how you can have a bigger impact in different areas that you're passionate about and excited about. And I think that's something that's so important to consider is that sometimes what you find interesting might not align with what your skill set is or align with just how you're wired. Um, I went to this writing workshop and I've always thought I would like to be a writer. And then she was talking more and more about not sort of the isolation, like the, the time alone that you need to do to actually produce writing. And I was thinking, but I like to talk to people. <laughs> and so it just was, it, it made me realize maybe that's why I haven't been doing it, why I had this idea and thought, oh, that I respect writers. I think it's a very, I wish I could sit quietly and do this work. But, and that's where podcasting is sort of helping me because I get to do things and still talk to people. You get to do what you love and do it in a different way. Yes, yes. And it gives me more energy than being by myself. And I think that that was a shift for me was just realizing don't really want to be alone all the time. I want to be alone sometimes, but not as much as it might take to do that kind of work. So, and I think you bring up a good point about energy because what people start seeing is how much more energy they have when they are passionate and excited about what they do. Um, and so energy does come into people seeing kind of what inspires them and fuels them versus what is depleting them in the process. And so I know you're not a mental health counselor, but would you say there's yeah. a pretty strong connection to, you know, people maybe saying, and, and not all the time, not all depression or anxiety or whatever is linked to misalignment in choosing what you want for your life. But would you say there is some carryover where people sometimes feel depressed because they're maybe not living the life they really want to be living? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there, to, uh, I think that there is definitely a close overlap. Um, and um, I think oftentimes it's, it, might, it might not be as deep-rooted, um, but kind of it, there is some piece of needing to get clarity on the dissatisfaction that you have in your life to be able to, to move it forward in a different way. And so if you're in a session with someone and you see other, you know, more sort of deeper mental health issues going on, what's your, your protocol for that? So truthfully, um, if, if I see a pattern of repetition, that is when I refer them out immediately. Um, and, and by the way, um, as a coach, kind of a certified coach, part of what you do is you, you sign a, a code of conduct and part of it is you aren't a, a mental health specialist. And so if someone is coming to you with kind of suicidal needs or 
suicidal thoughts or anything like that, you obviously are, are referring them out to someone um, that is qualified to, to handle that. What I would say is oftentimes what I see is people just need to be seen and heard. Um, and it's being able to feel comfortable and holding space for them. So there are clients that do get frustrated and do get upset and do, I mean, if you're changing careers and you don't have a job and you're looking for a job and you're frustrated, like emotions come out. Um, and it's my ability to be able to hold space and know that they are capable and naturally creative, resourceful and whole to be able to handle what's in front of them. And if they don't, I will refer them out. I love that. It's interesting listening to you because a lot of the things, I am a therapist, a lot of the things that you're doing are very similar. And what's cool about, I think, what you're doing is that you probably are getting a clientele that maybe wouldn't go to therapy, you know, when it's in the form of bettering their career or, you know, professional development, someone might be more likely to be vulnerable in that space. And so it's awesome. You're accessing people that might not typically get help. Absolutely. And I mean, there, there obviously is a lot of overlap uh, with the work. I think where coaches tend to view a difference is we tend to focus on the vision for the future and building a path towards that. Yes, there are some moments in the past that they may have to relive or kind of relook at, um, but it's not a place of necessarily recapping the past. It's about creating vision and action for the future. So how does that resonate with you in terms of a variation of a therapy? You know what? I wish more therapy was forward focused. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that, I think that sounds healthier for all parties involved. I mean, and there's, like you said, you have to do a little bit of uncovering, but I think a lot of times therapy can get stuck in the past and then people stay stuck in the past, you know? Um, so I think it sounds better in general. It's interesting. I actually, in my certification program, in both the positive psychology program that I did, as well as my coaching certification, there were a lot of therapists in the room. Um, because I do think that there is an evolution to some extent uh, of different ways of doing it. So um, I just was curious your perspective on that. Yeah, I like it. And it's nice to have a framework where you can kind of continually kind of pull people back, you know, say, okay, well, let's, how does this relate to the future, you know, and what, right. what we need to do next. Um, so one of the things that I'm curious about, so if people are listening to this and it's resonating and they're kind of thinking, this sounds like me. This sounds like something I could benefit from. What would you advise for first steps? How does somebody um, identify a person to work with? Uh, what What would you say is the groundwork for getting yourself set up for success in something like this? If you're if you're planning to make a big change, so I think part of it is the first step is just reaching out to people and starting to have conversations. Um, the, the piece um, that I often see people getting kind of stumbling is I need to have the answers before I go talk to a coach. You may be sitting alone for a really long time waiting for those answers to come to you. Um, and the ability to be able to work with someone to help you develop that, I think 
can be humbling for many because most of us like to be independent and think that we can get to the a place on our own. Um, but generally speaking, what I've seen is when people know that they want some kind of change, just starting to have conversations. Typically, coaches will do free consultations. I typically do an hour free just to kind of assess if we're a fit and assess if I'm the right person. Um, when you're selecting a coach, I think it's about feeling comfortable to be vulnerable with the person. Feeling comfortable and like knowing that this person, that I can share with this person and I feel like they're going to be able to help me in the right direction. Um, and I think it's about being clear on what your goals, your targeted goals are up front. God knows there's an evolution of goals that unfold throughout working together. Um, but I think it's starting to have a baseline of ideas of what it is you want um, to help you get the most out of a coaching relationship. And it seems like what might be tricky is that being vulnerable is so <laughs> counter to what many people are trained to do, right? Especially in the workplace. Yeah. I mean, in life in general, but especially in the workplace, I think it seems like people are trained to, and I don't even know because that's why I became a therapist because I couldn't do this thing. But I'm like, in therapy, you get to just say whatever you're thinking and that works well for me. Um, but uh, it seems like people are trained to sort of hold their cards closely and not let their guard down and not be vulnerable because that's when people use things against you or think that you're too weak, especially I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that with women. You know, is that different yeah. with women? Yeah. And what they're allowed to portray and what they're not allowed to portray. And men too, but I don't know. I guess that's a lot of questions. Start where you yeah. will. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I definitely, so I will say I do work with, as a woman who spent the majority of her career in financial services, I do work with a lot of women um, that are in the workforce. Um, and I think the workforce is changing and it has to change. Like. The vulnerability that people bring into the workforce actually helps create a better work product. Um, and I think it's about um, starting to challenge a little bit of it in the right way, not necessarily. Um, but, but I think authenticity is something that most organizations are craving. And I work with a lot of leaders that are in the process of launching new businesses and holding to that value that we need to be honest and we need to be authentic and vulnerable to get even more impact and to be even more effective. So I do think there's enough research out there that people are starting to want to bring it into the workforce. But yeah, there's a lot of conditioning that has happened in the past um, that uh, people aren't necessarily um, willing to be that vulnerable in the workforce yet. So if we are in the life of someone that is wanting to make a change or we see someone who's struggling and we know that the change might be useful for them, What what is the best way, would you say, to be a good supporter to someone in your life that is going through a change or is on the cusp of a change? I guess just to be a good positive cheerleader um, yeah. for somebody who's trying to make better choices for themselves. Matter of being open and willing to help. So I can tell you, um, 
having been in HR for many years um, and kind of laying many people off in my career, um, I have a whole new level of compassion for people that whose jobs were impacted because within organizations, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, um, and people lose the compassionate piece of being a good friend and offering to help. Um, and so one thing that I advise people that are in career transition is always ask for help. Ask for referrals, ask for introductions, just be open to asking other people for help. And so on the flip side, being willing to introduce people to other people from a networking perspective, just being a sounding board, giving them advice. I think oftentimes it, it felt really hard for me. Um, I didn't know how to help people that were in transition because I wasn't in that. I, I was too caught up with what I was doing to actually take the time to help. And I think that's one of the things that just give them 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes to see how you can help. Because I think it's amazing to see how many opportunities can unfold by just a 10 minute conversation. Well, and this is our conversation is coming on the heels of um, the Kate Spade mm-hmm. committing suicide. And um, what's his name? Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. Bourdain. Yeah, I Bourdain. wasn't sure how to pronounce yeah. his name. But one of the things I've noticed on Facebook going around is just that, and same with Robin Williams, that these are the people who always projected themselves as very strong and very um, together. And that sometimes the people that look the strongest actually need the most help because they're they're the one trying to keep that front going. Um, and I think that's the tricky thing sometimes for me, at least, is with people that, so I guess what's going on on Facebook is people saying, like, reach out to the strong ones. You know what I mean? That they might need help too. Um, and it can be tricky, though. It can be hard to approach people who are super strong or put on that. Um, but I guess, but realizing that the people who appear strong need assistance too or need a, a soft place to land. Well, I think we all need help. And I think... In working with my clients, we there's not one person that doesn't need help, and it's a willingness to ask, and it's a and it's a willingness to to assist. And um, I see with both women and men, the fear of asking for help is like paralyzing. Um, so I think sometimes it it, it also can be just offering to your point around Facebook, offering to help in whatever way you can. Hey, like. Are you okay? Do you want to grab coffee? Just some way to connect and try to get real with someone. I love that. What What are some things that you've um, noticed in terms of, are there, I, okay, this is the question. Are there some toxic patterns in workplace behaviors <laughs> or what, what are some red flags to you? You know, where like, this is not a healthy environment. This is not something that you want to keep showing up to. Yep. So, um, you're you're uh, you're asking a great question, and I'm on the process of starting a TED talk and writing a book about how the current workforce is a cult. And I say that in a little. You see behaviors that create isolation, that create fear, and that create essentially a much more insular environment than they are intended to do. So as you mentioned, toxic behaviors, um, part of my quest and vision is is helping people 
notice them and take different actions. And so I do think organizations that think they're the best um, and tout themselves for being the best um, kind of put an ivory tower or a pillar around them that doesn't necessarily create a good environment for individuals. Um, the um, When there is an internal competition that exists, um, that also creates a very toxic environment in the sense of um, more isolation and, and the inability to actually get your job done because it creates a distraction that rather than performing on what you're expected to do, you're obsessing over how to outperform the rest of them. So you're wasting energy there. Um, and I think another behavior is um, the performance management process in a lot of organizations right now is one that is being revisited because it, it essentially um, is making people feel inadequate um, by the terms that they use, by they how they compensate people. And so there are a bunch of different ways that companies are trying to be innovative to try to help create more thriving environments rather than more toxic environments. Does that answer your question? It does. Um, okay. <laughs> what have, are there any places that you see like people or companies that you can give a shout out to that you're like, this is a company that is crushing it. Like they're doing such a good job of helping people feel supported. And, um, I don't know, I guess I'm, I'm wondering and hopeful that there are some good examples out there of things going well. And if there's not, <laughs> I'm going to be really sad. <laughs> I mean, the way that I view it is. There are leaders in this world that are looking to make a difference, um, and they are looking to create organizations that are different, um, and they're breaking down those barriers as we speak. Um, so, I mean, I, I will say um, there are lots of tendencies out there in organizations that I think are great. Um, there are organizations that if people are not happy, um, they offer them assistance to leave, which is counterintuitive, um, but it's something that they care that much about the employees that wanting to make sure that they end up happy on once they've found something else. So I, it, I think a lot of um, organizations are focusing on mental health by providing them coaches. Capital One, um, where, I, where I worked last, actually offered coaches, career coaches to every employee as a resource. So I think that the focus on being able to provide support in different ways. Um, but I'm, I'm, I don't know that I actually have an organization that I've gotten close enough to that has built, um, that there are a lot of them there that are in the process of building innovation, but I'm not sure that I could list a list of them that are kind of rocking it in this space. Okay. Well, and I think that sort of what we were talking about before, there seems like there is, it reminds me of like home renovation. Like, are we going to gut this house? Or are we going to knock this house down? You know, like how much do we have to undo before we rebuild? You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's, I mean, how many generations have we built on this hierarchical structure of, you know, um, command and control kind of behavior? Well, and I think part of it is the leaders that want to change that. And that's what gets me excited is working with leaders that say, you know what, like, I don't want to be an authoritative leader. I want people to thrive. I want people to be bringing more ideas. I want people to 
to have the flexibility to do whatever the heck it is they want from a day-to-day perspective and still deliver. Like, I think that those leaders that are more innovative can help influence the rank and control leaders to start thinking differently, but it's going to take time. But I'm optimistic that I work with enough leaders. I see enough leaders in the world that want this. And like you see all these books out there, Cheryl Cheryl Sandberg is doing a great job and being a very vocal, real leader. Um, I think there's a lot of people out there that are doing a great job um, in kind of helping people see different ways of doing it. Cheryl Sandberg is, I really am enjoying her option B programming. Like she seems, I mean, it's been this whole, I mean, talk about second career. It's like, you know, I feel like unfortunately sometimes with tragedy can come this whole new opening up of um, like you were saying, what is possible and what, what, what you're seeing changes. And I just feel like she has accessed a whole new level of like helping people through her own suffering. Yep. I, what I, I read the book and what I loved about it was the kind of how clear she is about helping people be real with their emotions and giving them tools to help them understand how to deal with them. Um, and I think as a leader to be that vulnerable, someone who has that much visibility and that much clout in the world or in society today is pretty impressive that she's giving space for others to start bringing some of these emotions and and dealing with them in the workforce as well. One of the um, projects that I've seen going on, have you heard of this um, program or project called My Younger Self? No. It's really neat. Sounds awesome. I need to learn more about it. I'm not an expert, but I guess the gist of it is, is what are the messages you would send to your younger self? You know what I mean? Here you are with all this knowledge at this point in your life. And it's funny because I'm sure I'll look back on me now and think, oh, you didn't know anything. But, you know, I look back on myself 20 years ago and, um, you know, just there was so much more to learn. So I guess my question is, what what advice would you give to your younger self? I mean... There's a lot of advice I would give to my younger self. Uh, The first would be believe in yourself, listen to yourself, follow your dreams. Um, It's funny. Oftentimes people say, how did you end up becoming a coach? And I said, as a kid, um, when I lost my my dad at a young age, um, what I wanted to become was a happy doctor. I wanted people to be happy. Um, and today I'm living that out in a way that I didn't know was possible and helping people see different paths for themselves and opening them up to a lot more happiness. So it, as I look back at my younger self, I'm like, damn, I could have, it, it all worked out great. Um, but I could have saved myself some time and getting myself to the happy doctor path had I just been willing to, uh, believe in myself and, and kind of follow through on that path. I think you might have to start calling yourself the happy doctor. Or if people ask you what you do instead of life coach, just say, I'm a happy doctor. And then just see what happens. Just wait for it. It'll be so fun. It's, it's so funny because a lot of people, I was at a, a, a retreat last week and someone said that to me. They were like, you just need to start calling yourself the happy doctor. I was like, okay. I'm like, that's going to be my new hashtag, the happy doctor. For real. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so... So I guess I, I, think I can handle that title. I, I'm fully comfortable. That that feels a little bit better than founder to me. 
I love it. I think you should, I, I mean, test it out, you know, like at the next party, you just kind of drop it and just kind of watch people's reaction. <laughs> so, I love it. I will report back to you, Megan. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So I am curious, is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you were hoping to share? You know, I, I, I think you did a great job. I, uh, I loved um, being able to um, observe the differences and the similarities in our past. Um, and I think your questions around how people can get help, um, that's my biggest goal, especially as you mentioned the Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain loss this week. Like, my heart broke in thinking that there were people in this world that couldn't share what was going on. So I think your, um, your question around how to seek help is definitely something um, that is helpful and hopefully will help people believe that there's new paths for them. Yeah. Are there any resources that, that um, you would point people to? And you could always send me an email if you think of things later and I can link to them on the um, website. Cause that's one of the things that I think people, you know, you probably have so many resources, things you know about, or you hear about, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is I was learning so much about all this cool stuff that's going on out there. But if you're not in that world, you might not know about it, you know? So if there's any resources or uh, books that you would highly recommend. I will definitely send you. I, I have a list of books and oh, good. resources. Um, it's definitely a space where I get excited about. Uh, my bookshelves are a little overflowing right now um, with with books that have helped me um, in my journey because it, I mean, again, my journey is still going um, and evolving. So I, I firmly believe that I can learn from others through books and resources out there. So I can certainly send you a list. Is there a book that you, is there a book that you tend to hear yourself referring people to again and again? Um, you know, one, I would say for women leaders, um, that I work with today, um, How Women Rise um, is a great book um, because it is about kind of, it creates community around some of those behaviors that are kind of make us lose our own confidence. Um, and then from people that are in career transitions or people that are looking to explore new things, Huh. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelf trying to see which one feels the best. I think uh, many of my clients have loved Start With Why. Um, that one uh, is definitely one that has resonated and helped me as I was going on my journey as well. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, and my last question for you is one of the things I talk to people a lot about is so it's the family brain. How do we all affect each other? How do we take care of each other? How do we take care of ourselves? And so I'm wondering, what is a self-care strategy that you employ? You know, you're, you're reaching out, helping all these people, the happy doctor. How do you keep yourself feeling balanced and feeling cared for? Do you have any special strategies that you try to make sure you're employing to make sure you're keeping on track for yourself? Absolutely. So um, I will say each morning, so I actually have, um, one of my clients recommended an app called Strides that helps me track my strides that I'm making on my self-love and self-care, but, uh, my mornings start 
um, with a walk outside in nature uh, with my dog. Um, I come home to a meditation and maybe some kind of exercise class um, and truly journaling every day. So I, what I have found most valuable is my ability to journal either A, the shit that's happened in the day that's pissed me off and I need to get it off my mind, um, B, the things that I'm proud of um, that I accomplished that kind of surprised me, um, then the gratitude that I have for the day, um, and then the dreams that I want to create and unfold. So those tend to be the ways that I try to, um, on a daily basis, kind of practice my self-care and my ability to be there for other people. Um, and then obviously through volunteering, um, I, I do spend a lot of time volunteering uh, because that brings me a lot of joy as well. I love that. That's one of the things I notice with myself is when I kind of feel like oh, I'm kind of in a funk. Well, what have I been doing? You know, I mean, it, yeah. it, have I been taking care of myself? Have I been getting outside? Have I been, you know, doing things that help me feel better? And usually when I'm in a funk, the answer is no, I have not. Right. <laughs> no. I've just been running myself ragged, saying yes to things I don't want to do and just gets to be too much. Yeah, the, the movement piece to me is the one that I neglect the easiest. Um, and it's one that I've made kind of the biggest priority and um, just realizing that the amount, even if it's a 20 minute walk in the middle of the day in between clients or something like that, like that is really where um, I can shift things up and feel much better. So I love it. I love all that you've shared and I'll be excited to share all your resources and your web pages on the show notes. And thank you just so much for taking your time to share everything you're working on. I'm very excited to learn about this and to share it as a resource for people who maybe are feeling stuck or feeling like they need to make some changes. Thank you, Megan. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. It has been um, fun. Being able to share. And uh, I, I truly enjoyed our conversation. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.